Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Uh, for today's podcast, we're going to be taking uh, an interview with Will Goodhart, who is the Chief Executive of the CFA Society of the UK. Will, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Not at all. Thank you so much for inviting me, Jonathan. So we're going to be discussing in particular in this podcast, ESG, ESG investing, uh, the state of the landscape and how things have been progressing uh, throughout COVID and also some on the outlook for uh, the ESG themed investments going forward. But before we do that, Will, would you be able to give us uh, a brief introduction to yourself and, and also the CFA Society, please? Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you so much for the invitation to, to be here today. It's a real honour. So um, I am the, the Chief Executive at the Society. Um, I've been with um, CFA UK for about 15 years. And before that, I was actually um, I started my career as a uh, as a journalist working in sort of finance, working for an organisation called Euromoney Institutional Investor, um, and I did that for a fair amount of time. Um, and I realised that I really enjoyed um, looking and writing about and talking to people working in investment a bit more than capital markets and some of the other areas. Um, and when I saw the opportunity come up at, at CFA UK, I took it. And CFA UK, as I say, it's the the local member society for CFA Institute and CFA Institute is the global professional body that operates the Chartered Financial Analyst Program, which is really sort of the gold standard for education for those working in the investment sector. Um, and we've got a very active community here in the UK of 12,000 members, but we're part of a global community of about 170,000 members. And there are about um, almost, I think, about 200,000, 250,000 people a year around the world who are taking the, the CFA exams at any stage. And recently, CFA UK, um, we launched our own certificate in ESG investing. We've long run a thing called the Investment Management Certificate, but we reckoned that there was a need for a thing, uh, for a, a qualification around ESG um, integration. Um, and we launched that in 2019. It's now gone global with CFA Institute um, and we're seeing you know, very high levels of registrations per week. And we're, we're really delighted that we are supporting the um, ability of the investment sector to, to serve its clients well. Thank you. Thank you. So, of course, we're going to be discussing ESG to, today, Will. Now, th there's a, a date there that, that you said that you launched uh, in 2019, uh, your certificate uh, at, the, at the CFA. Now, for me, that actually marks uh, a point that we saw a real jump in, in interest in, in ESG. Now, of course, sustainable investment you know, isn't new. It's been around for decades. Uh, impact investing, uh, you know, looking uh, for investments uh, within um, climate change, that has been around for some time. But in your opinion, Will, why do you think around uh, you know end of 2018, uh, 2019, all of a sudden, um, ESG investing and sustainable investing really became one of the most popular investment themes? Uh, it's a really good question. And I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, I think there started to be evidence to suggest that um, 
integrating ESG factors uh, was a way to improve investment performance. Um, and that coincided with a sort of a, a general sense um, that climate change was also real and starting to, to happen was not something that we were looking at in the future, but something that we were starting to have as a lived experience for all sorts of un unfortunate reasons. And that very much focused the minds of governments. I mean, governments had been focused on this for a time, obviously, because we had sort of the Paris Agreement um, a few years ago. But the uh, yeah, it, it, it started clearly to become more of the daily discourse. Um, and I think that... Um, those two things, the sort of the general societal concern um, about climate change and people's desires to address it, as well as the sense that um, ESG was actually not something that was going to detract from performance, but was actually something that was likely to enhance investment performance, meant that um, clients were demanding it um, very actively. And we'd seen that, I mean, again, I mean, you're right. These things have been around for a while. I mean, if you look back at the development of the um, principles for responsible investment, um, you know, there have been large numbers of signatories to the PRI for for a lot, for for many years. But somehow, around 2018-19, we just did start to see the momentum in that sector really build, um, and and it really hasn't. Um, diminished all that much. I mean, you know, if you look at the sort of the, the daily news flow, um, you know, climate change and regulatory and policy measures to address climate change and what people are doing around that is, you know, in our news day to day and, and starting really to affect the way that economies operate. And, um, and that is then starting to have an impact on, um, you know, the investment universe. So, I mean, go, going back to 2020 and, and looking at uh, statistics there, Morningstar uh, re recorded uh, 51.1 billion of inflows into ESG funds, uh, and that doubled on, on the prior year. I mean, that sort of momentum's pretty strong. I mean, do, do you feel that's something that could be sustained going forward in terms of the growth that we're seeing in popularity around ESG investments? Yeah, so so I've got a sort of slightly um, odd answer to that question, which is that uh, yeah, it's it, it it's going to grow, but that's because ESG is not really a a a kind of uh, it's not really a sector within investing. It's just a new way to approach investment. It's an an enhancement of investment practice. So what has become clear to people is that environmental, social, and governance risks. Um, are important and they can materially impact um, the returns that you can expect to achieve from different securities. Now, that is a little bit different from saying that um, sustainability is, is also a sort of critically important um, development. So the sort of societal concern for for us all to live in a more sustainable manner, most obviously in order that we can address um, the climate crisis, uh, it is going to have is going to have an impact. But ESG itself, you know, ESG integration 
is is becoming very much standard market practice for almost all kinds of investment. So there are very few investors today who would say, no, ESG, nothing to do with us. You know, we, we couldn't care less about it because it's just an, an enhanced set or it's a, in, in a better way to to look at, at risk and return. And, and you know, and the um, link between ESG and corporate profitability is, is sort of well established now academically. You know, companies that are well governed, that ha- that understand their environmental exposures and manage those well, that operate their supply chains efficiently, are not going to run into trouble either with consumers or with with regulators or or their investors. And so, you're going to see um, over a longer period of time. Um, a better return to to those sorts of stocks. Um, so it's ESG is isn't a, isn't a sector. ESG applies really to all sectors. Um, so the momentum in ESG, yeah, that's there forever. But we'll just stop talking about it because everyone everyone will assume that of course you're integrating ESG factors into your investment practice because that's just the sensible thing to do. The the momentum behind things like um, sort of uh, renewable um, energy uh, securities and yeah, the valuation of those, that's a sort of slightly different question. Have we seen um, a lot of movement to, towards those, a lot of momentum in those areas? And yes, we have. And actually, at the beginning of this year, we've seen some of that pull back a little bit. Um, so they had an amazing year last year, but actually... The sort of relative return on some of those um, to other parts of the market is not as good this year as it was last year. You know, I think that's a, you know, I don't know whether that's temporary or not. I mean, I, I don't doubt that um, renewable energy is is the future. Now, you know, was it overpriced? Uh, that's for others to determine. Um, and no doubt over time, you know, the the the, the pricing of those securities will will fluctuate as do the the prices of securities in other areas, but um, ESG is is um, is here for good. Um, that it's not it's not something that's going to disappear. It just is standard market practice now, pretty much. So we've been talking there about uh, you know green energy, sustainable uh, energy, and you know, that that's of course one of the biggest themes. Uh, in ESG, impact investing, uh, anybody looking at making sustainable investments. But, you know, there are other sectors um, out there or or, other other themes, I should probably say, uh, within uh, ESG in terms of the sort of social side and and, and governance. Um, Why do you think that, you know, maybe that hasn't been as a popular um, theme for uh, the investment community in terms of some of the products that they're, they're offering? For example, diversity. Um, why isn't that um, as popular as clean energy at the put at this point in time? And is that something you see changing going forward? Um, and, and is there any impetus do you, do you think within the investment community to, to actually start offering products that focus on um, you know other areas of uh, of the ESG as opposed to the more sustainable energy side of things? Well, I, I think that's already happening. Really, I mean, there are some. Some funds and some, um, you know, uh, uh, by sort of uh, active fund and some ETFs that are very focused on diversity 
Um, you're right, it's it's probably not as, uh, hasn't seen the sort of flows that we've seen into ESG related products. Um, I think that, you know, it's the, there has been clearly a, a rush towards clean energy stocks as people have become aware that energy policy is changing and is not going to change back. Um, and that there is an opportunity uh, in those markets to 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 sort of to get in um, early now. You know, perhaps some of that um, is done, but you know, people used to say that about the tech stocks. That you know, gosh, why are people buying you know, Amazon at that kind of valuation? And then you know, here we are, sort of ten years later, with valuations at sort of many multiples of the valuations that they were at that time. So, you know, it's the I think the exciting thing about this field is that the sort of the, the, the structure of economies, the infrastructure of them, you know, the way that the economies are wired, the way that economies are powered um, is going to change over the next 15 to 20 years. And it's going to change because people have realized it has to change. Otherwise, the, the costs of, of that failure to change are so much greater than the costs of making that transition um, that I think that change has become sort of pretty much inevitable. And I think that's why we started to see those sorts of flows into the into things like clean energy. Now, yeah, as we get sort of um, maybe a bit more sophisticated around this and as, as we're able to see uh, further into the distance about, you know, well, what are the implications of the, the ways that economies are changing? Um, then I think some of the some of these other areas will will start to be be more attractive. I mean, something that I think is is possibly under um, under un, yeah you know, not thought about enough at the moment is actually the um, sort of what you what you might call sort of value stocks in some of these areas, things like sort of you know other energy companies, you know, and utilities, because a lot of these companies are not going to go away. You know, we're going to remain um, dependent on areas of sort of fossil fuel use for quite a number of years. So there's going to be a, a, a an ongoing value to some of those cash flows. It's just that they're not infinite, that there will be an end and that they have to transition. But a lot of those companies will transition and they'll transition successfully. And investing in companies in sectors that need to transition to net zero economy to a net zero economy you know doing that doing your homework and looking through and thinking well is this is this um you know management group is this board are they the sorts of people that are going to understand this are they going to know you know where to invest what to divest you know how to do that well how to bring their company you know through to change the operating structure of it so that it starts to to be you know ready for um, a net zero economy some of those companies are probably undervalued at the moment um yeah because what we've done is sort of rush towards those that are nice and shiny and clean which makes a lot of sense but actually it's important that we continue to invest in and reward companies um, that are making the effort to successfully uh, navigate that transition because that transition is, is critically important. And just on 
on inclusion and diversity um yeah it it it's 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 not a nice to have it's a need to have because if we don't get the transition right if we're not if we don't um manage what is termed a sort of a just transition one within which you know people working in sectors that where that are going to be closed down are offered opportunities in in new sectors and we bring people into this migration to net zero economies then then it won't work because you'll get too much societal pushback um you know whether at the ballot box or somewhere else and and we won't make we won't successfully transition in the time period that we need to transition in so in fact sort of in being inclusive about um the move to sort of a more sustainable economic structure is incredibly important and so I'd I'd expect us to see a bit more focus on inclusion and diversity um in in future but I I hope that's answered your question a bit yes it has thank you very much will so um you know just one last point here before we start moving into the sort of transparency around um ESG and the sort of educational environment you know in in your view when you're looking at um, you know those companies that have you know greater ESG credentials than than maybe uh that the wider benchmarks i mean do you feel your know, performance going forward um you know between the two is going to be driven and it ties back actually into what, what you've mentioned there with some of these companies needing to, to transition. I mean, do you feel there could be some some pressures there that see those companies that may not have um, you know, particularly strong corporate profitability, um, you know, outperforming um or you know, those that are actually having quite a strong level of ESG credentials there? Do you think there's a there's there could be a disconnect there um as people start to push towards companies uh, that have strong ESG credentials, as opposed to looking for profitability in companies. Um, well, yeah, the market always, re- you know, is focused sort of not really on today's profitability, but the sort of the uh, the future profitability and the the value of that sort of future stream of cash flows um, in the form of dividends, and you know, so it's and the answer is that there's a very close correlation. There's a really good piece of academic research that was done by three um, academics called Frieda Bush and Basson, and um, and yeah, they what they did was they looked at two thousand other academic studies that had considered the relationship between um, corporate profitability and an ESG, and there is there's the you know, they they came to the conclusion that there absolutely is a solid correlation um, between the um the ESG characteristics of companies and their future profitability so there's not it's not so much um that um you know that, that ES, ESG is sort of different and you don't know whether they're going to be profitable in time actually companies that have good ESG characteristics relatively so yeah this is sort of often within sectors so you know, is a company within a sector that might not be great from an ESG perspective better than another? And, you know, and what does that mean for sort of future corporate profitability? Well, it, it's better than the one that didn't have as good ESG characteristics. So I do think that, um, you know, the, the I, I would suspect that that would hold up um, unless, and this I think sort of you, you were suggesting just now that we might come on and talk about sort of um transparency and data and so on so yeah 
as long as the market is good at interpreting ESG information, then I think that um, an ESG information is accurately reflects the sort of reality of of activity within companies. Then I think that that relationship will will hold good. What the their study also shows, though, is that it's quite difficult to um, to sometimes make a lot of money out of investing in ESG uh, because the the market is becoming more efficient in in understanding and, and and knowing that. I struggle a bit with that because I feel as though there are so many inefficiencies still in the market around sustainability, partly because of the the um, rather um, you know, um, it's going to say sporadic, but it's not the right word. But yeah, there's quite a, there's quite big differences in the quality of some of the data that you get. And yeah, you know, if you've got people who know what good data is and people who are sort of less certain of that, you'd have thought that the people with the good data will do better. So and the market wouldn't then be very efficient. But but nevertheless, their data suggests that there's a very strong link between sort of ESG and corporate profitability. But the link between ESG and investment returns, so how that corporate profitability is then turned into alpha, is less strong. But um, yeah, people have different views on that, and I'm afraid I'm I'm on the fence. Okay, lovely. So you know, let's now actually move it into this you know question of of transparency um, and you know how ethical and sustainable uh, investments are actually presented uh, to to investors. I mean, I think probably one of the the first questions, and this is obviously a, a concern. I, I think um, when we saw the growth in popularity of uh, green energy funds, is, is this notion of um, greenwashing within the industry? I mean, if, if you take uh, a look at some ESG funds, ones that are designated ESG, in some circumstances they don't look very different from you know a straightforward uh, equity fund that's tra- tracking the uh, the same benchmark so you know that obviously does increase um you know concerns that it, it's becoming a, a marketing tactic for, for for some companies i mean do you feel that there is a real issue of greenwashing within the industry at the moment um uh, yes and no so i think there's a real concern about clarity um about you know making sure that um, an investment vehicle does what it says on the tin um, and that, you know, the, the, the promise that is held out is actually de- delivered and that there are sort of, you know, processes and philosophies in place that will allow uh, the investment house to actually do that. And I think those are, are fair because, um, as you say, um, you know, the, there has been um, a real rush of money towards um, ESG, um, I think, for a lot of the right reasons, which are that, you know, that the, there is going to be much greater focus on the part of policymakers and regulators around um, the development of sustainable economies and addressing climate change. So things will change. So you clearly want to invest in the future. And so you put your money towards that. But I don't doubt that there are people who have seen that and thought, crikey, hang on, you know, well, we've got a global equity fund. Let's just call it ESG global equity fund, you know, or our, our UK income fund. Can we, can we make that an ESG UK income fund? Yeah, well, well, jolly good. Yeah, why not? Yeah, we don't need to do very much. And that's, you know, that obviously um, 
isn't great. Um, and that's something that, that we're quite concerned about. And, you know, so CFA Institute, which, as I say, is, is the global body. Uh, we're doing a consultation at the moment on, on ESG disclosure standards at the investment product level, which we would um, essentially would require people to um, describe the way that they're, they're, they are integrating ESG into the, the investment product in such a lot of detail that, if frankly, if you were um, trying to sort of shortcut it, you'd get found out. Um, and that's not all that different from uh, work that's also gone on at the um, EU through the Sustainable um, uh, Financial Disclosures Regulation, um, and you know, and and others are also looking at this space. So there's quite a lot of people who are anxious um, about disclosures in terms of investment products. But um, CFA Institute. I think R1 would be the sort of probably the sort of the first global one, and um, it's it's very it, it it's a very practical um, uh, stand. I mean, it's a draft standard at the moment, so it's it's not it's not fixed, so that it's still in the consultation phase. But it is designed to actually yeah be used um, by investment houses. It's not designed sort of necessarily by sort of policymakers and regulators who understand that investment process less well. So we're hopeful that that will get picked up by a profession that I think is anxious and concerned to make sure that, you know, as as a sector, as a as a profession, um, you know, we we are seen to deliver what we say we're going to deliver, rather than just grabbing hold of, um, you know, the uh, the latest um, strong acronym that that helps you um, sell product. So. You know that's obviously something that's that's in progress uh, at, at the moment. I mean, that's something that you, that you're working on. But I mean, does it necessarily mean that you know the entire industry is going to take that up? I mean, is there anything maybe from the regulator that they're working on uh, in terms of standardisation, uh, in in terms of sort of terms uh, that that are out there, and in particular, you know, types of investments uh, which could be classed as potentially you know impact and you know, having things such as sustainable, you know, what, what are the key measurements uh, that, that yourself and, and the regulator will be looking at for investment products to, to have on them? Yeah, no, there's, I mean, there is quite a lot going on around this at the moment. And the FCA has obviously sort of expressed their concern about it in the past. And yeah, there's, as, as I said earlier, there's a lot that's gone on at sort of EU level. There's... um. There's a huge amount of policy and regulation coming out around ESG disclosures or uh, sustainability disclosures, but a lot of that is actually at the corporate level. So it's about how how do companies describe and disclose their activities in a way that allows people to consistently interpret the data from an ESG perspective. There aren't as many people who are looking at the sort of the investment product um space so there's some people look at investment entity so if you're an investment organization you know how how again should you report what we're picking up on is sort of looking very much at the product level and we don't think that we are competing too much with lots of other people um in doing that uh it's interesting that you mention impact because again we do we do address impact a bit in the disclosures and we talk about the need to describe the the impact that you're trying to have 
the impact, you know, those on whom you're, you know, that impact is likely to be felt and the, the timeline over which you would want to uh, them to experience that impact. So it makes it quite, quite real. You can't just say, oh, yeah, we, we think this is, you know, some of our holdings are doing wonderful things and the world will be a slightly better place as a consequence. You actually have to get down into the nitty gritty and and say, well, OK, has that holding, has that security issued an impact report? And then you have to look through the impact report and say, OK, well, yeah, are they very specific about what that is trying to achieve? And if they are specific about what it's trying to achieve, have they, is it time limited in any way? So it is, we, you know, it would hold people to account and we would hope make it more difficult for people to make those sort of rather grand assertions that they might not necessarily be, be living to in practice. Lovely, thank you. So, well, now, let's now move on to to COVID nineteen, uh, the, the pandemic, and what that has done for for ESG. As I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we saw flows into ESG funds double to to fifty one uh, billion in twenty twenty. So it appears on on the face of it that you know the interest in ESG uh, wasn't uh, reduced. In fact, it, it increased quite heavily, even though there was. Um, significant value in in wide benchmarks throughout that that period, but one of the things I just want to focus on quickly here, Will, is you know th- this notion that you know we've seen an increase in popularity in ESG in investing. A lot of that's been going into green energy um, in investments, but we saw, of course, during the pandemic, a significant reduction in admissions um, that that were. Uh, being pumped out from, uh, you know, the cars and whatever it may be, aeroplanes, a reduction in those emissions during the, the pandemic, of course, have, have started to be um, reversed. So that there may be the question there that, yes, there's a lot of popularity around um, green investing. But, you know, when we had the opportunity uh, to really sort of lock in uh, lower emissions, uh, you know, changes by the government and restrictions that the government put in place when they were changed, things quickly went back to what they were. I mean, some may um, question that whether actually investing in uh, green energy, uh, you know, that isn't the way forward. It, it's probably going to be something that's driven more by um, governments and, and government policy as opposed to investments. I mean, if, if someone had a view of that, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, uh, uh, first of all, I apologise for talking about COVID at all, because I think we're all probably heartily sick of it. And the less we could have to talk about it, the better. But um, I think if we're talking about it in the context of, of ESG, uh, I think that what the COVID crisis uh, reminded us about and, and then proved was that, you know, we're, we're all on one planet. Um, there's no sort of escaping each other, you know. And what we're learning is that even if we think we have COVID under control, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, in our own backyard, if it's not under control somewhere else, it's going to mutate and come around and nobble us again. So, you know, this has got to be a sort of global effort. And climate change is sort of the same. There's no escaping it. You know, there are parts of the world that will be more exposed to climate change um than than others but you know we're all going to be affected by climate change and we all need to sort of to 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 start to address um the the challenge of 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 climate um and rising uh, uh temperatures so 
it's you know it i think it accelerated it reminded people that we can um collaborate that we need to collaborate and that change can come more quickly than we had thought you know somebody had told me a year and a half ago that i was going to spend 14 of the next sort of 15 months working from home i i think i would have probably um you know laughed in their face or something but you know it's you know it's so that idea that things can change pretty quickly is now widely accepted the understanding that you know we need global cooperation and we are going to get global cooperation we're seeing it already on climate change um, and that will change the way that our economies or economies around the world operate i think that's um that for me is the sort of the the, the real um takeaway uh from the the covid crisis with respect to to sustainable investment i think the your point about um well you know can in, can investment make a difference um you know isn't it really just down to sort of policy and regulation a lot of it is down to policy and regulation because otherwise you know there can be a significant first mover disadvantage and so you know it is down to governments and the regulators that they they appoint to establish frameworks um within which finance can then function but the allocation of capital um uh, is a is a pretty pointy tool you know uh, it's a lot of this is focused um until quite recently on equity markets and you know uh, the yeah engaging with companies you know through uh you know as we saw just yesterday um investors have um successfully uh got two representatives onto the exxon board who are much more conscious of the way that the world is changing and will presumably challenge management in a way that it was not previously being uh, challenged and i think that will be very positive for exxon but increasingly i think i would expect us to also see people pushing people on debt and actually sort of um significantly changing the cost of people's short-term working capital or even the provision of longer-term loan arrangements um and we're starting to see that actually with respect to sort of bank valuations you know investors are now looking at bank loan books and saying gosh the reality of that that bank is that although they say they're really um conscious of the need for to address climate change their their loan book doesn't reflect that at all um so we will um yeah we'll we'll reduce our holding in that stock and we'll buy a different bank that we think is going to succeed better in future because they understand this and they obviously have processes and policies in place that is allowing them to build a loan book that's much more um you know it's going to be much better aligned with the way that the world is changing so i think that um a capital allocation with respect to sustainable investment does make a real difference but it can't do it on its own and yeah it has to work within a framework as a, as i said that is sort of you know set by government and um you know and and as voted in by um you know electorates you know in in at least in the parts of the world that um i tend to be more fond of that are democratic so um you know it is you know uh, yeah it's it's all of us working together um to address something that needs to be done 
you mentioned there Exxon, of course, one of the largest uh, oil producers in in the world. Um, and just on this point on on COVID, of course, we we saw uh, with a drop in emissions, we we sure saw a, a huge drop in the price of of oil and other fossil fuels. Of course, that's now uh, increased again. And just sort of looking at the, the activity there, um, Baker Hughes rig count, for example, um, there's a huge jump. Uh, since the low point of, of last year. So, of course, people are, are back and, and, and pumping out more oil with the, the higher oil price. I mean, do, do you think that there's been an opportunity missed to some extent there, um, you know, from the investment community to really sort of step in and, and provide an alternative uh, to fossil free fuels during the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I, I think that the, the investment community is trying to do that. And, and and I think businesses are trying to do that, and I think governments are trying to, to help as well. But yeah, there is still a need for us um, to have fossil fuels. We we cannot move yeah, away from them entirely today. Um, you know, things would stop working. We'd all be feeling colder. The lights might go off from time to time. So you know, it's you know, we we need to transition away from fossil fuels, and we need to transition away from fossil fuels fast. And you know our future investment activity should really be almost entirely exclusively. I say almost because I think there are some developing economies where there are arguments to be made for um, can some continuing investment in fossil fuel development, but they're really far few and far between. Our future investment should be around renewable energy, but we will go on needing to use uh, uh, fossil. Uh, you know, unfortunately, um, energy sources that release carbon into the atmosphere. For, for a little while, but we need to do whatever we can as quickly as we can to reduce our, our dependence on those. And the, you know, it's not a surprise that the, the oil price is, is going up. You know, economic activity um, slowed an enormously last year. Economic activity is very happily starting to come back, which is great. And a lot of that economic activity is driven by oil. So, you know, you'd, you'd expect to see that. But the point is that you wouldn't expect to see it forever. Yeah, because people are not going to be using oil in the same way. I think the opportunity missed, if there has been one, is to make further progress on sort of a carbon tax um, or sort of carbon pricing, at least, um, you know, in this period. But I think a lot of that is going on behind the scenes, and I'd expect sort of more developments um, around carbon pricing um, in to make which will obviously help to make um, fossil fuels sort of less attractive. I'd expect to see more of that coming through over the next year and have quite an impact on, on valuations as and when it does. So just just moving on to our, our last um, topic here. Now, now Will, this is, this is really around the education of uh, ESG, climate change and, and sustainable investing. I mean, first of all, in your view, how do you feel and who do you feel needs to be driving education in ESG, climate change and, and uh, sustainable investing. Is it something you think should be coming from a, from a government level? Or do you think this is something that should be really coming from, from corporates and investment companies that are issuing the products? Yeah, well, I think, I think there are sort of two different ways to, to think about that. I think as an economy, you know, if you think about the UK, I think that there does need to be a real focus on green skills uh, because... We are, uh, you know, we, we're actually really well placed, I think, in the UK to compete, you know, on, in terms of sort of 
green industry and the development of green skills and the gr development of um, sort of you know, sustainable products. Um, and yeah, you know, I think the government is quite focused on this area. I think there could be more done around apprenticeships um, in this field. And I think that would be very helpful. And there needs to be a plan in place for sort of the retraining of, of individuals working in some of those sectors that are going to see, you know, be sort of over time wound down so that they're ready and equipped to go into um, to working in, in new sectors. You know, I was watching, um, there was a very good BBC program the other night about the, um, uh, the, the, the sort of the, the climate work that was done by a group of citizens um, on our behalf and then there was a plan presented to government and there was uh, uh, one, one individual in that who was working for a large uh, gas utility company and yeah, at the moment he was working on sort of old gas boilers but he was being sort of retrained to think about how to install heat pumps you know, and it's that kind of, of work that is costly to organisations but beneficial to us as a country for people to be able to do that work that I think should be supported a bit better. In terms of finance, um, who's, who's really pushing the um, education on sort of you know, how finance works uh, you know, around sustainable investment? The news there is really that it's, it's clients, it's the customers. So it's, it's you, it's your listeners you know, and large institutional investors are demanding uh, or seeking to invest in sustainable products, in products with strong ESG characteristics. That means that the investment houses are producing those kinds of products and they're requiring all of their people to get skilled in being able to develop and run those products as quickly as they can. Um, and our job as a professional body for the investment sector is to make sure that we're supporting them in that need. Yeah, we're not for profit. So, you know, people don't mind working together um, to come to us to say, this is what our people need to know. Can, you know, can you go out and find the best people in the market to tell us how to do that? We get those people around a table, we build a syllabus, and then we put that syllabus back out to the market in the form of a qualification and people start going through it. And we've done it, as I said, on ESG integration. We're doing it at the moment on climate. Um, and we're going to start doing it sort of, you know, probably in about three or four months time around impact to make sure that um, people working in impact investing are also sort of properly aware of you know, exactly what that means and exactly how it should operate. So that when people offer an impact fund to clients, um, you know, it really, as I said earlier, it does what it, it says on the tin. Thank you. Thank you very much. All. So just just to finish off. Um with with a question here now this is obviously relatively high level and it probably goes back to some of the uh, the points that we discussed earlier on in the podcast but in in your view going forward say over the next five years um if you're looking at the uh the three uh elements of esg in, in environment social and governance which one do you think will see the most interest of those three from the investment community over the next five years, given the environment with green energy is probably the most popular at the moment. But which one of those do you see um, from the level they're at now um, seeing the most growth going forward in terms of interest, activity, products coming through and um, you know, general, general sort of investment interest in? Yeah, no, it's a really interesting question. And um, 
the governance has been around forever. Anyone who's been an investor has always wanted to know, look, are other people looking after my money, the people that I'm allocating capital to, you know, are they, are they using it wisely? Do they have the right voices around the table? You know, do, you know, and, and, you know, and so is, is the risk that somebody's just going to, to fritter it away or nick it? Is that, is that, you know, as low as it possibly could be? And, you know, have I really got, you know, the right people involved here? Um, and that will go on being important. It's always been important. It will always be important. People should be very concerned about the governance um, structures of the companies um, in which they invest. Yeah, social factors have also actually always been important, and they will continue to be very important. You know, it's yeah. There's an enormous amount of risk, um, or can be an enormous amount of risk in people's value change chains. And so, yeah, and if people investors aren't conscious of that. You know, there's a significant risk of a major, uh, you know, of volatility in, in, in the value of the, the, the holding. Um, and, and people don't really necessarily want that. And so people will be very concerned. But the, I'm afraid the obvious answer is that it will be the E factor that continues, I think, to predominate because the, we haven't, um, you know, there were people writing in the 1970s about the the sort of the likely time limit on um, greenhouse gas concentrations without destabilizing um, you know the the earth's uh, <laughs> the earth's infrastructure uh, you know and and uh, and they carried on writing about it through the 80s and the 90s and um, and it's only really in this, yeah, that now that we're really starting to see it, that people are are reacting to that, but they they were right, and you know they were right that we only really have until 2050 to resolve this, and if we don't resolve it by 2050, we're really in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, I made the mistake of reading quite a lot of the IPCC report you know, about two years ago, and for anybody who's got children or you know, we don't have grandchildren yet, but yeah, it makes really rather terrifying reading. And you think, right, well, we better get on and resolve this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, and if we're going to resolve the climate crisis, you know, by 2050, we really need to start resolving the cl climate crisis um, about five years ago. Um, but yeah, there's no time like the present. And I think governments get that now. And I think electorates get it. You know, we, um, you know, one of the, the real stories that was slightly missed in the, the most recent round of sort of council elections was the enormous increase in the vote for the Greens. You know, and so, yeah, there, you know, that, that, that um, sort of strong segment of the electorate who's saying, right, at the margins, we can determine, you know, who might be politically in power in a few years' time. Well, a lot of that is going to be down to how, how, parties deal with um, the need to address climate, the climate crisis. And I do think that, you know, it'll be the environment that um, I'm afraid is the, the dominant factor. I, I say I'm afraid it's just because it has to be. So it's sort of a shame that it has to be the dominant factor. But if we don't get the social stuff right at the same time, if we only address the environmental stuff and we forget the people that are going to be impacted by the changes that we're putting through in order to address the climate crisis, we will fail to address the climate crisis because people won't stand for it. So, you know, and when that's, whether that's householders who can't afford to, you know, to, to swap their old gas boiler for a heat pump 
or whether that's people who are working in you know extracting oil or in sort of plastics industries or whatever it might be yeah you know, we 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 need to look after the people who are going to need to transition and if we don't do that then we won't successfully address the climate crisis so while the e will predominate um i do think that the s will go on being very very important as well and the g the g has always mattered and will go on mattering so so yes e but but yeah i suppose out of 10 i'd sort of give governance is always a 10 social is about a 10 and a half and um, environment somewhere sort of up close to 20 out of 10. that's not very good math for somebody <laughs> who's supposed to be <laughs> promoting strong forms of financial analysis but there we go very, very good emphasis there. thank you will so very interesting points there um from you will thank you very much for for being with us that was will um Goodhart, who is the Chief Executive of the CFA Society of the UK. Will, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Not at all. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.